0: Good evening, this is Caleb Arndt with the Walk with God podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for joining me tonight. Today we're going to be reading from Psalm 84, Joshua chapters 11 and 12, Proverbs chapter 13 verses 5 and 6, and Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 37. So it's an exciting time and an exciting passage. We'll be reading from Luke tonight about uh, some eschatological periods, or a... Thing that's going to happen in the future, and something that Christ prophesied about almost 2,000 years ago. Now, before we get started, let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please bless our study tonight of your word. Help us to grow in our understanding of it. Father, please open our ears, our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to receive your knowledge, your wisdom, and your instruction. Help us to learn about your heart in the Psalms. Help us to learn about your history and what you've done for Israel in the Old Testament. Help us to learn about your wisdom from Proverbs, and help us, Father, I pray, to learn about what you are going to do in the future from the New Testament and what you've done and how you've taught and what you have taught to your disciples help us to grow today I I pray, Lord, in your will. And Lord, we pray for all those that are suffering from cancer, that are fighting against this coronavirus, this COVID-19, those that are suffering from losing their jobs and lack of work. Lord, please provide. Please heal. Please meet their needs. Please meet the needs of our nation. Please give our leaders wisdom, knowledge, instruction, guidance, and understanding and wise biblical discernment. Help us all to do your will, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, Psalm 84 tonight says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will be still praising thee. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. Who, passing through the valley of Bacah, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God our shield, and look upon the face of Thine anointed. For a day in Thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of My God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Here in Psalm 84, the psalmist is declaring how lovely, how worthy of love, how worthy of affection are the courts of the tabernacles of the Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, fainteth for the courts of the Lord. The sparrow finds peace and finds shelter so that it can make even its nests in peace in the the uh, tabernacles in, in the temples of the Lord. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, who passing through this field or this valley of Bacah, or the valley of mulberry trees make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools and supplies all of the water and nourishment and need for the field, for the trees. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord of hosts, uh, the psalmist is crying for the Lord to hear his prayer from the tabernacles. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of Thy anointed. Uh, for a day in Thy courts is better than a thousand. A-, a day in the house of God is better than a thousand days. Spending, being spent in the tents of the wicked or the tents of spoil or anything in this world, a day in God's house, a day in God's church is better than a thousand business days out working without God. And so, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. If we trust in the Lord, if we go and we worship and we praise God and we love going into his house, if we love spending time with our God and spending time with the people that God loves and has called by his name, then blessed is that man that trusts in him. We should have that trust in him. We should have that love of going and worshiping with him. Now, we're going to turn to Joshua chapter 11 and 12 is what we're going to read tonight. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things that he sent to Jobab, king of Madon, and to the king of Shimron, and to the king of Axaph, And to the kings that were on the north of the mountains and of the plains, south of Chinneroth, and in the valley, and in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite, and to the Hittite, and to the Perizzite, and the Jebusite in the mountains, and to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpeh. And they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with horses and chariots very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Miram to fight against Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hawk their horses, and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua came, and all the people of war with him, against them by the waters of Miram suddenly, and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who smote them, and chased them unto great Zidon, and unto mizrath Mainim, and unto the valley of Mizpeh eastward. And they smote them, until they left none of them remaining. And Joshua did unto them, as the Lord bade him, he hawked their horses, and burnt their chariots with fire. And Joshua at that time turned back, and took Hazor, and smote the king thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. And they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe, and he burnt Hazor with fire. And all the cities of those kings, and all the kings of them did Joshua take, and smote them with the edge of the sword. And he utterly destroyed them, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. But as for the cities that stood still in their strength, israel burned none of them save hazor only that did joshua burn and all the spoil of these cities and the cattle the children of israel took for a prey unto themselves but every man they smote with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them neither left they any to breathe as the lord commanded moses his servant, so did moses command joshua and so did joshua he left nothing undone of all that the lord commanded moses so joshua took all that land the hills and all the south country and all the land of goshen and the valley and the plain and the mountain of israel and the valley of the same even from the mount halak that goeth up to seir even unto Baal Gad in the valley of lebanon under mount hermon and all their kings he took and smote them and slew them Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. All other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, that they should come against Israel in battle, that He might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that He might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. And at that time came Joshua, and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron to Debir, from Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. Chapter 12. Now these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote, and possessed their land on the other side Jordan toward the rising of the sun, from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon, and all the plain on the east. Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and ruled from Aroer which is upon the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of the river, and from half Gilead, even unto the river Jabbok, which is the border of the children of Ammon, and from the plain to the sea of Chinroth on the east, and unto the sea of the plain, even the salt sea on the east, the way to Beth-Jeshemoth, and from the south, under Ashdoth Pisgah, and the coast of Og king of Bashan, which was of the remnant of the giants, and that dwelt at Ashtaroth and at Idri, and reigned in Mount Hermon, and in Salka, and in Bashan, until the border of the Geshurites, and the Maacathites, and half Gilead, the border of Sion king of Heshbon. Them did Moses the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel smite, and Moses, the servant of the Lord gave it for possession unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel smote on this side, Jordan, on the west, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, even unto Mount Halak, that goeth up to Seir, which Joshua gave unto the tribes of Israel for a possession according to their divisions, in the mountains, and in the valleys, and in the plains, and in the springs, and in the wilderness, and in the south country, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the king of Jericho, one, the king of Ai, which is beside side bethel 1 the king of jerusalem 1 the king of hebron 1 the king of Jarmuth 1 the king of lakish 1 the king of eglon 1 the king of Gizer 1 the king of debir 1 the king of Geder, 1 the king of hormah 1 the king of arad 1 the king of lebna 1 the king of adullam 1 the king of machida 1 the king of bethel 1 the king of tapua 1. The king of Hefer, 1. The king of Aphek, 1. The king of Lasharon. 1. The king of Madon, 1. The king of Hazor, 1. The king of Shimron-Meron, 1. The king of Axoph, 1. The king of Tanakh, 1. The king of Megiddo, 1. The king of Kadesh, 1. The king of Jachniam of Carmel, 1. The king of Dor, in the coast of Dor, 1. The king of the nations of Gilgal, 1. The king of Tirzah, 1. All the kings, 30 and 1. So, in chapter 11, of the book of Joshua, we, he, we see that uh, Jabin the king of Hazor and Jobab the king of Madon and the king of Shimron and the king of Axoph and they gather all of these other kings, the, the lands of Chinneroth, which is the Sea of Galilee area, and as well as the lands of the west and of the east and the mountains, and the kings and the peoples of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perib- Perizzites, the Jebusite, the Hivite, all of the people of the land, they try and they go and they make a league or a treaty between all these kingdoms, and they gather a whole bunch of people. Uh, so much people that they say that they are even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude with horses and chariots very many and they gather all of these people to go and to fight against Israel we also we see something very interesting towards the end of this chapter that the Lord describes for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle and so the Lord shone upon them, and he hardened their hearts just as he hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And now we have to ask the question, and it would, of course, beg the question, did the Lord control their hearts? Did he change their will with a divine, sovereign power? And the answer to that is, of course, no. The Lord, he does not over completely overwrite and overwill the free will of a human being. He does not do that because he is Perfect, and he is good, and he is sovereign. He has complete power to do so, but he never chooses to do so. And so he takes the already uh, the intrinsic nature of the human beings that were of these leaders, and these were warring nations. These were peoples that had been had uh, had their minds and their consciences seared as with like a hot iron, so that they are scarred to. The, uh, the basic good and love and kindness and goodness of what we think of as Christianity and w- the world today of how we love one another and so they had this uh, they had grown up in cultures that they could fight and they would um, engage in relationships and engage in sin and engage in human sacrifices and engage in things that built up their iniquity to the full of what the Lord would bear of their wickedness and of their iniquity in this land. So they had gotten to the point where the any type of... Uh, People that were challenging their power and their authority would provoke them to wrath. And so that wrath that was already in their hearts, God provoked it even further. And he influenced them and hardened that even further by his influence in this area. And that he is raising up this nation to come and possess the land that these people are trying to hold on selfishly and greedily greedily and with covetousness to themselves for their own, and they want to go and fight that. They want to go and destroy the people that represent God, the good God of love and of goodness and of holiness and of perfection. And so they go and they fight against Israel, and they fight against them with as many people and horses and chariots and as much power as they can muster. And still, the Lord delivers them into the hands of Israel. We see that the Lord commands Joshua in verse uh, uh, 6 here, that Thou shalt hawk their horses and burn their chariots with fire. And so instead of taking their possessions of all of their wartime materials or their wartime equipment as the chariots, they would Israel would take these and they would just burn them with fire. They would not even use them. They would not even take them to their possessions because Israel was not to be a wartime nation. Israel was not to put their trust in horses and in chariots. They hawk the horses, H-O-U-G-H. That's how that word spells. is spelled and it's pronounced hocked, and it means that they hamstrung the horses or they cut the hamstrings of their hind legs so the horses could not sprint for battle anymore. They could still be used as workhorses from this point forward. And Israel took the horses, but they could not be used to pull the chariots. They could not be used in battle any longer. And so their trust was not in horses. Their trust was not in chariots. It was in the Lord. And God still delivered them, all of these people, into the hand of Israel. Joshua fights against them. He fights against their cities. He takes all of their cities. And he... Uh, puts to the, the edge of the sword all of the inhabitants that instead of leaving, instead of fleeing, instead of trying to go and start a new life somewhere else, they stay and they try to resist. And so they take all of the spoil then also of the cities, the cattle and they took for a prey for themselves, it says. And so Joshua took all of that land, the hills and the south country and all the land of Goshen, the valley, the plain, the mountain of Israel, and the valley of the same. And so every, all of the land is delivered into the hand of Joshua, but. We would uh, be mistaken to think that this was a very fast campaign because in verse 18 it says, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. And so this could have been a span of at least 20 years that Joshua is fighting against all these kings and leading the people of Israel to fight against them and God delivering them into the land, delivering the land into their hand. So God said that he would not drive all of them out right away because he didn't want all of the... Uh, All of the animals and all the beasts of the field to rise up and to repopulate the land and to be a snare and a trap and a danger and a hazard unto the lives of the people of Israel. So God made them only slowly be able to drive the people out of the land. Then in chapter 12, we see the recitation that Joshua has written down of all of the kings that are defeated by the children of Israel, by the people of Israel, before they come to bring the land into peace and to inhabit the land in chapter 11 verse 23 it says and the land rested from war after they had destroyed and defeated all of these kings and nations and then in chapter 12 it recites all of the kings that they had defeated and it remembers Sion and Og king of Bashan and Sion king of the Amorites on the eastern side of the Jordan River that Moses had defeated as their leader and then it recites all of the different cities and all of the different kings of those cities on the western side of the Jordan that they had defeated now and so in All of the kings and all of the nations that they had defeated in Israel, uh, in verse 24, it says, all the kings, 30 and 1. And so they defeated 31 different kings, 31 different cities, 31 different peoples that had come up risen themselves up even after they had seen the defeat against all the other nations in battle they still decided that they wanted to go also and fight against Israel and they got themselves defeated when the Lord delivered them into their hands I'm stressing that so much because we uh, as Christians we constantly are under the the attack or the argument that look how God told the people to go slaughter all these people well no God only uh, specifically told the people of Israel to um, hit and uh, to attack and to destroy a few different nations. All of these other nations, all of these other kings, they provoked themselves to go and attack Israel. Israel made an encampment. All these nations rose up and they went and they attacked Israel. Israel defeated them in battle and then because they attacked them, then they went and took their cities. And so it's the exact opposite We see in the entire entrance and campaign in battle that the only city that uh, the people of Israel even first attack is Jericho, and they don't even attack the city right away. They march around it seven times, and God throws down all the walls for them before they even march into the city to take it. And God even gave the city of Jericho uh, seven full days that they could use to flee from the city and to leave and they still chose to stay there. So the answer to anybody that says that God told them to go and slaughter all these people is, Israel went into the land and they immediately attacked Israel. Israel destroyed their enemies that first attacked them. And yes, they did destroy all the people, but they first attacked them. And so by right of defense, Israel had the right to hit them back. By right of conquest, they had the right to all of those lands, just like every single other nation throughout all the world, especially like the Mongols. The Mongols, they would go, and if they didn't pay tribute to the Khan, they would destroy and raise the entire city and burn it all to the ground just because they offended the Khan not saying that that was the right thing to do but it's Uh, just an example of what the other heathen nations would also do, and how this was not abnormal in that time period. We can't look back on the people of the past with rose-colored glasses and force our morals upon the people of the past that were not living under those same expectations of those days. Okay, now returning to the book of Proverbs chapter 13, we're going to read from verses 5 and 6 today, and it says, A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Righteousness, keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. So in these two verses, we have the comparison of a righteous man and righteousness and a wicked man and wickedness. And the righteous man hates lying. He always tells the truth. He tells the things that are right and true and pure, and he doesn't speak lies. There is... Um, Uh, Righteousness keeps him that is upright in the way. And so by doing so, by doing rightly and doing the right thing that God declares unto him, he keeps himself in the way. But uh, what way is that? It's the way of God. It's the way that follows after God and follows his commandments. And that keeps him safe and secure. But a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Uh, You think of loathsome. You think of somebody that is... You just... You don't really want to be around them. They don't appeal to you they they're not kind they're not good they're not holy or just they're just somebody that brings shame to themselves and to all everybody else that is kind of around them and so uh, wickedness overthroweth the sinner. the wickedness overthrows even the people that do those wicked things they're always caught in their own consequences and that brings them to shame so what's let's learn That we should not let wickedness overthrow us. We should be righteous. We should act like God would want us to act and follow his commandments and do his will. Now we're going to turn to the book of Luke chapter 17. We're going to read verses 11 through 37 tonight. uh, Verse 11 says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them, for as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things, and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, He which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away, and he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, the one shall be taken, and the other shall be left." Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. So, here in chapter 17 of the book of Luke, as the Lord and the disciples are making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover, they're passing through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So, they're traveling past Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, and all the regions that are around there, and Samaria that is south of Galilee, but still north of Jerusalem. And they're passing through the, these areas, and they happen upon. 10 lepers, it says. So what were lepers? Who were they? They were people that had a skin disease or skin infection that was eating the flesh of their bodies. Now, the human body, its biggest organ is the skin. The skin has pores, the skin has epithelial cells and epidermis and several different layers in it. And so there are many different uh, fat deposits and uh, things that, and glands and globular cells and things that uh, have lots of nutrients in them and things that. Uh, a flesh-eating type of bacteria or disease could feast on while it's eating of that flesh, and so this was a very terrible disease to have. It was also infectious, and so it it was also uh, considered very unclean, and anybody that had this disease of the leprosy, according to the law of Moses, had to wear a covering over their mouth and had to uh, wear certain garments and had to stay a far distance away from other people and had to shout that they were unclean which is why we see that they lifted up their voices while they were afar off and while they stood afar afar off crying unto Jesus master have mercy on us and so these people those that had these infectious diseases were many times looked down on by society and looked like and looked down that they were horrible wicked sinners that they would had done something so wrong that they deserve this punishment when the opposite may sometimes be the case or because they are rejected by society they also yes may sometimes be involved in sin but Jesus reveals that it's not the outward things that corrupt a man but uh, what comes from the heart it's the inner things that corrupt a man Jesus does have mercy on them he heals them he tells them go, go thy way and show yourselves unto the priests. And as they're going, as they're leaving and following his commandments, they're miraculously healed on the way. Nine of them just keep on going. They celebrate in their own healing, but they don't come back and try to find out who was their healer or to know their healer better, but one of them does. He goes and he falls down on his face giving him thanks and worshiping him, and it notes that this man was a Samaritan. It doesn't matter if they were Galileans, Samaritans, Jews, anybody, everybody of the people of Israel and everybody of the entire world is drawn to Jesus, and we should come and turn to Jesus. He welcomes all. Were there not ten cleansed, he says, but where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God to save this stranger. See here, even the man that Jesus didn't know and his disciples didn't know, he still has mercy on strangers, but we don't have to stay a stranger. We can know him as our personal Lord and Savior. He also says unto the man, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And so he has recognized Jesus as his Savior and has faith in him when he was demanded of the Pharisees then. Now the Pharisees are asking him when the kingdom of God should come. He answers them, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. This means that it's not coming with things that you can see, or that you can hear, or that you can smell or taste or touch. It's coming by a spirit. A The kingdom of God is in spirit and is in truth. He says also later that uh, those that worship him, worship God, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And if it is within us, it is within our spirit or within our heart. And that is where God seats his kingdom by sealing us with his Holy Spirit. He also, he teaches his disciples things. And so he doesn't directly answer this to the Pharisees because they are not considered worthy of hearing his instruction because they are not his believers. They are not his followers. But he reserves the instruction the specific instruction to those that believe on his name and are willing seeking searching loving learning yearning for his instruction the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the son of man and ye shall not see it and they shall say to you see here or see there or go not after them nor follow them and so there were he was pro- prophesying to them and predicting that there are going to become uh, days that false messiahs will arise, false Christ will arise. They'll say Jesus is here, Jesus is there, but no, he's not there. Don't trust them. Don't listen to them. The sign of my coming uh, shall be as lightning, that lightning's out, that lighteneth out. And just as you think of real lightning, just as you think of The lightning that shoots across the sky with brilliant brightness and covers a miles of distance within uh, just portions and uh, fractions of a second, that is how the day of the Lord's return shall be. It shall be like lightning. It shall be like thunder. It shall be like things that can be easily and simply recognized truly as they justly are and cannot be reproduced by mortal hands. He also prophesies unto them that the Son of Man must first suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Then he goes on to teach them, and so he prophesies about how he will be rejected and how he will suffer persecution, how he will be nailed to the cross, how he will die, how he will rise again in three days. Not all the specific prophecies here, but throughout all four of the Gospels. And now we also see his uh, prediction of the day of his return. And the key here is in verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And what does this mean when the day when the Son of Man is revealed? And this is talking about a very specific day when the Lord Jesus Christ shall return to the earth from heaven. And so this day is called the Day of the Lord, also called the Day of Christ in Second Thessalonians. And so this day is the day when Jesus Christ returns to defeat all of the wicked enemies and wicked armies of the devil at the day of the Lord and the uh, the final battles the battle of Armageddon so the key verses to understanding this passage of scripture are in verse 30 and also in verse 24 So because those are when Jesus is revealing the nature of his return first it'll be like lightning that it will happen in fractions of a second everybody will be able to recognize it and see it they won't need to question if it is him or not because they will just know and it will be um, the day that the Son of Man is revealed as the Son of God as God himself that is coming back to earth and we see the nature of the world in these days before his return, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the days of Sodom, that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. But likewise, in Sodom, in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, and they sold, they planted, and they built it. And so the earth is just going to be continuing on, just like it has been doing every single day. Even in the heathen nations or the un- the nations of the unbelievers, they're just going to be co- uh, continuing their daily life when the Lord shall return in the day of their destruction, of their own. Armies. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in his house let him not come down to take it away, and he that is in the field let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. So this is a lesson of instruction that those that shall be saved during this time period, during these days... So we have to take just a second here and we have to ask the question, answer the question, who is on the earth of these days that will be taken and will not be taken? Who is left on the earth at, during these days? And so the premillennial rapture of the church and the pre-tribulational rapture of the church that's revealed especially in First and 2nd Thessalonians and is also revealed in other portions of Scripture that we will study later on when we get to those epistles at, This pre-tribulational rapture of the church is when all the believers that have the Holy Spirit of God living inside their heart that has sealed them unto the day of promise and of their blessed hope that they're looking forward to, which is the gathering together of the church back to the Lord Jesus Christ, those will not be on the earth during this time period. This is talking not about the day of the rapture, but this is talking about the day of the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes back at his second return to the earth and so all the Christians they are not on the earth now there are some that might be saved during this time period there are many that will be saved during this time period by the prophecies by the evangelism of at least two or 144,000 Jewish witnesses that are raised up again to witness and go out for the Lord and for God and the two main witnesses that are in the streets of Jerusalem that are prophesying and are preaching and are evangelizing and turning people back to God they will be turning many souls to the Lord so there shall be many that are saved during this time frame and we see here that this might be talking about those specific people that they uh, those that have been saved during this time of great tribulation those that are in Jerusalem now and so in that day he that is on the housetop and his stuff is in a house, let him not go down to take it, but just let him go and let him flee away from all these armies that are coming towards. to fight against the son of God, the son of man and I tell you that in that night there shall be two men in one bed one shall be taken, the other left two women grinding together, the one shall be taken the other left, two men shall be in the field the one shall be taken, and the other left and so, one shall be taken is this talking about the rapture here? and the answer is no, it's not talking about the rapture because this is talking about and the main subject is the day of the return of the Lord to earth and And so, this is not talking about the rapture, but it may be talking about the men and these women from these passages being saved from destruction and from the armies that are going to be gathering to the Battle of Armageddon. And some of these people that may be here as they are going about their daily lives, some of them, half of them might be considered saved and half of them might be considered unsaved or those that are not believers. So, the saved as the Lord now returns to the earth, they might also be gathered with the believers, with those that are returning with the Lord Jesus Christ as his heavenly hosts. And so those believers might be gathered to him and that might be where they are being taken to. Uh, Those that are left, nobody really can tell what exactly will happen during this time frame, because there's so much that has not been said. There's so much that the Lord has not revealed about those days and for the specific purpose of not giving us too much information. But there is one thing that he has last said in verse 37 of this chapter. Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. So Jesus is answering the question of where, Lord, that his disciples have asked him. And so the direct answer to that question that he's giving them is wherever the body is. So wherever the body of a believer is, that is where they should be taken. And uh, there are believers all over the earth, all over the world. If there are believers during this time frame that are all over the world, that is where they should be taken. If they are non- non-believers and they're uh, destroyed, And as eagles are known to gather to the smell of blood and to the uh, bodies that are laying on the ground, whether they be of carcasses of animals or anything else, they will gather and they will uh, go to have their food and have a meal there. And so wherever that body is, that's where they gather. And so this could also mean as a uh, meaning of destruction, and of the, the perishing of the dead, there will the eagles be gathered there. But we can trust that the Lord Jesus Christ, he will provide for his own. He will provide shelter, protection, safety, comfort, and help to those that believe on his name and are trusting in him for their salvation. Friend, do you know him today? Is he your personal Lord and Savior? Is he your master? Would you recognize him? if he would return back to earth as the lightning shoots across the sky. We should know that we can recognize him as our Lord. Trust in him today if you have not. But friend, Thank you for studying the Word of God with me. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk with God podcast. If you have any praises or prayer requests, please send them to me at gmail.com That's gmail.com I'll be sure to look for those and to pray with you for them. Good night, everybody.